welcome to the 137th episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Antner. How are you doing, Roger? I'm okay. How are you? I'm good. So, Roger, uh, earnings season's wrapping up. Uh, we've had a fair amount of folks report since our last episode, so I thought we could spend some time talking through that. We've got Verizon, T-Mobile, Charter, and Comcast all all have come in with numbers within the last week, week and a half or so. So who do you want to start with? Well, let's start with Verizon. Okay. So they had 263,000 consumer wireless postpaid phone losses. They added 136,000 business wireless. So we continue to see the trend that Verizon business is outperforming consumer. But business wireless, which which to me would be concerning, is going down quarter after quarter after quarter. Right. Notably, it was about half of what it was year over year in terms of ads. Yeah. It's like first quarter 22, it was 256. Second quarter, it was 227. Third quarter, it was 197. Fourth quarter, it was 176. Now it's 136. So they're winning less and less, right? And on the consumer side, a year ago, it was they lost 292, right? So not really a great start, right? But then, you know, both Sampath and Kyle Malady are in their jobs for six weeks. You can't really, well, you can give Sampath credit for for the first quarter in business, but you can't make Kyle responsible for it. And, And I don't think the numbers, so I think there's still things to come. Now, what was also very interesting is that the broadband net ads were 437, 393, thousand of that was fixed wireless and 44,000 was a combination of fires and DSL which means fires outperformed DSL by by a heavy margin and then they lost 351,000 on prepaid and blaming it predominantly on safelink on right. safelink yeah right so they, I think, I believe on the in the conference transcript, they said that greater than one hundred percent of their net losses in prepaid were due to Lifeline, right? Which is low cost, government subsidized, folks under the poverty level, and and program with really tough conditions. And when you take even a little bit, your foot off the gas, you will feel it, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like you know, out of the last five quarters, four. Verizon, you know, lost subscribers on on prepaid. You know, Carlos did did Carlos Slim sell them a bag of goods? Or is it that Verizon is is just not good at prepaid? Right? Well, I think it's fair to say the prepaid environment's changing too. I mean, you know, when we look at how well a player like like Mint has done, right, with low cost unlimited service, I think that is a compelling proposition where a lot of folks $25 or, you know, even $30 is around the pre- the price point. A lot of prepaid folks were paying before. 
both AT&T and T-Mobile were able to add prepaid customers. Now, T-Mobile doesn't have deliberately took Lifeline out of their subscribe prepaid subscriber number, right? Way back when they did the merger. So they have prepaid customers. They just don't count them as customers, which is interesting, right? They take the money, but they don't count them as subs. So it's very interesting, right? Well, I mean, I think, you know, you talk about the leadership changes there. And I know in a past podcast, we had talked about, you know, how long does it take for a new leader to really make an impact and, and for you to see that flow through to the operational numbers. I think we're still in the hangover phase from what these folks took over. One thing I w- would say is that at least within the last three or four years, Verizon has typically had negative Q1s from that ad perspective. Yeah, but if, if you want to be gracious, you say six months. When we looked at what happened when at AT&T, John Stanky and Jeff McElfresh and Jen Robertson took over, that was like first quarter, it made an impact and like a day and night impact, right? When these guys took over, it made a, a meaningful difference from day one. And we can see it in the numbers, right? It's like under Randall, the company was lackluster. And under John Stanky and and his team, they kicked ass from day one, right? So you have to give that to them too, right? And the T-Mobile team didn't miss a beat. It was, I think, a much more seamless transition but they're, they're performing then well too. Right. So I mean, they, speaking of kicking ass, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about T-Mobile. What's your top line on how they did? I thought they did very well, right? They, they are executing very well. They had 538,000 postpaid phone net ads. They do the typical beat and raise. So I wonder when Wall Street will wake up that they're sandbagging a little bit, right? They came in with 523,000 of high-speed internet, like fixed FWA numbers, which is basically on track with what they did last quarter, the same way with AT&T. By the way, what's very interesting is they, if they continue to deliver these numbers, then they're both going to make their respective goals of four to five million for Verizon by 2025 and, and seven to eight on T Mobile side. And T Mobile will actually hit it a little bit earlier, you know, true to their beat and raise tactic. After that, it gets a lot tougher, right? Mm-hmm. So what was also very interesting is that T-Mobile previewed and throw shade on Charter's numbers because Charter, with 40% of the footprint, blew them all away with more than 600,000 phone net ads. And they also added 75,000 home internet customers. Comcast did three and change in wireless and like 35 in home internet. And I think the home internet number comes both from their promotion, where for for $60, it's basically an entry-level internet solution plus 
basically free wireless for one line for a year, which is a very attractive offer, and they're doing extremely well. I think I want to highlight that with basically the same offer, Charter executed a lot better than Comcast did, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They basically got twice as many wireless customers in. And, you know, in, in the earnings call, the CFO Winfrey said, like, they intend to keep them all when the promotional period is over and it's $30 more. Because $30 is still a very attractive offer. And $90 for what is it, 300 megabits a second plus a wireless line is a fighting price, right? Yeah. I mean, I think the exploding price thing is interesting, right? Because this is a business model that the cable companies have been using for a long, long time. And the reality is if you you have one of those plans, you call up and you complain, threaten to leave, a lot of times they'll roll it over for you too, right? So I think to one extent, I, I'm not sure I 100% agree with the, you're, we're going to keep everybody, right? Because the risk is w when somebody starts assessing one part of their bill, they're going to look at the other part of the bill and see what other offers are out there. But I also don't agree with the way that the wireless carriers are characterizing this, that they're just going to feast on on carcass when these plans roll over, right? Because the MSOs have options in terms of what they're going to do and how they retain those customers. And and it's been their business model to price like this for quite some time. And they're still they're still there, right? So and and the other thing is with both Comcast and with Charter, that they're expanding their footprint more than they did in in decades, right? And what's very interesting is that Charter said that when they are making service available, that within six months, they have 40% off share. Now they're beating up DSL, but still 40% within, no, within six months is really, really strong, right? So that, there, there's where, where growth comes in. But, you know, basically... <laughs> You know, we, we talked about it late last year that 2023 was like this gap year where cable didn't have a technological answer to, to fiber yet on a widespread basis. And they needed to gap it with something. Well, this is their gap, right? Gap, gap solution. And they're creating all kinds of pain and the wireless arm, right? You know, 800,000 net ads or 800,000 plus net ads from the MSOs, that's almost half of the net ads. Or if you add in Verizon, it's actually more than the, the half. Well, m money through the till, as Ronan Dunn would say, right? <laughs> It's a, it's, a, it's a customer relationship, and shame on you if you lose it. Well, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I agree with the, the gap year technological perspective, although I would say that you know when we look at our data, price is still overwhelmingly the number one reason, and, and even a 300 or 400 megabit plan is going to be more than enough for what most folks are using the internet for. So to the extent that there's a lot of kind of pricing action happening on the, the lower end of what cable and fiber can do, is not surprising and it'll be interesting to see kind of as bead money hits as everybody continues to expand at a greater pace and, and we've seen pretty much ever yeah but fiber has not higher 
Fiber has higher satisfaction. Yep. And fixed wireless, you know, even though slower, has an even higher one because all the unhappy people are leaving within a week. Well, yeah, if, if, if fixed wireless doesn't work for you, you don't have a hole in the side of your house and you don't have to wait two weeks to get somebody else to come and try to make it work, right? You just take it back that same day. And one of the, one of the interesting things that we see is we see, you know, some folks will try one fixed wireless provider and they show up as, a, and then they that doesn't work and they try the other one, right? When we look at kind of next best provider, so we ask folks if your current provider wasn't, available, who would you choose next? A lot of those fixed wireless folks, either at T-Mobile or at Verizon, would, would say the other was the next the next most likely. And I think it makes sense. It's a low price point. There's low friction in terms of install. You know, it'll pair nicely with your wireless service if you have service from either of those companies. And somewhere between 25 and 50 bucks. Right, right. It's cheap. It's cheap, depending on the offer, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, it will be very interesting to see in the second quarter now how this all plays out with T-Mobile's new pricing. And, you know, I asked a question on the the earnings call with T-Mobile if, and Mike Sievert answered it, where I asked, like, do, do you expect fewer net ads because you have, you raised prices by five bucks? And, and Mike Sievert said no, because... We're keeping the the magenta plans in the market, but they raised prices on the magenta plans too, right? Yeah. So what they effectively did is they removed the free third line. So whatever their headline plans are, so now they're now their Go Five G plans or their headline plans, they offer a for three for free third line, and so they show you know a, a price point and then a slash through it, and they remove whatever the cost of the, th- the third line was. Prior to this promotion or th- this new plan structure coming out, T-Bubble is offering free third lines on Magenta Max and Magenta. And as they rolled it over they uh, to the Go 5G, they removed that promotional element, which has the net effect of increasing the price for, you know, if you walk in the door today, you can get a Magenta Max or a Magenta Plan. Presumably, it's still up on the site, but the cost is higher than it was two weeks ago, right? Yeah, and and prepaid T-Mobile raised prices too. So we'll we'll see. I think financially it will play out for them, right? I'm struggling a little bit, right? Because do you actually want to have all the price plans in the market at the same time that T-Mobile has? Go 5G, Go 5G+, Magenta, Magenta Max, Essentials, Essential Savings, I'm all for choice, right? Don't get me wrong, but it's a little bit, a lot of choice. Well, I think this is a brand question, right? Because I think you can have a portfolio of options. And this is, you know, if you look at what the other carriers do, you know, Verizon's got TrackPhone for for the value segment, and they're they're trying to stay premium with the Verizon brand. Yeah, but you don't sell it in the same store. Right. But like, you know, T-Mobile presumably has this whole metro network, and we all know that the way folks buy prepaid is a little different from the way they do postpaid i I think it's there's a little bit of too much all in one brand with this many plans my guess is that they sunset magenta and magenta max in the next two or three months but we'll see i I agree i think it's confusing consumers i think they they see what's the take rate right and then they can decide do they want to keep going in that well i mean particularly when you look at the difference between go 5g 
and go to 5G Plus and Magenta versus Magenta Max. Realistically, the only differences are the size of hotspot and, and Canada, Mexico data buckets got increased. And then if you get go 5G plus, then you have the upgrade every two years piece, which, you know, we know not everybody wants or needs to upgrade every two years. So forcing folks into that on a plan element, I'm not sure. I think it's better at a value as a value added service, but that's just me. Yeah. And my cuts was very cautious saying, you know, this is the only plan where the upgrade every two years is part of the plan. Because AT&T has the very popular Next Up, where for $6, you can upgrade it every 18 months, right? And you can add this to any price plan, not just the highest one. So in a way, I can't wait for, for AT&T to you know, maybe highlight that a little bit more. And say, like, you know, we give you choice and it's 18 months rather than here, highest price plan or or you have to upgrade your plan or you have to add a line or you have to do whatever to get the, the great handset financing option where the carrier eats the cost of the of the device. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely an interesting Kind of new plan offering, but I do agree. I think there's another shoe that's going to drop, and it has to drop in terms of competitive response, right? Because I don't think it's, you know, like plan add-ons should be things that not everybody needs, but some people want, and they should be priced appropriately. And I'm not sure, you know, all these, you know, everybody kind of has these high-end kitchen sink plans where they're throwing everything they possibly can into one plan and charging more money for it. At some point, I think there's a straw that breaks the camel's back. I don't know if this is it or not, but we show that two thirds of people or there's three quarters of people don't think it's important to, to upgrade their phone to a new device every two years. And so is that the same proportion of people that want to buy this, this super high end plan? I don't know. I don't know. Right. Don't know. So it doesn't look like it. Well, we see, we will see. It will be very interesting to see the next. We're tracking this like live, right? We're seeing this on a weekly basis. But it's going to be interesting to see how how the different providers are reacting and how they're adjusting. Because I think this is the beginning, and and it should be a very entertaining solution. You know, it's like Charter mentioned this morning that you know it's always very interesting when somebody else does their investor relations for them. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I don't think T-Mobile necessarily made that many friends on the charter side now with that. But truth be told, it's not in their job description to make friends with providers that they compete against, right? Well, I mean, I think T-Mobile has been pretty clear about aiming for everybody's head on the internet side, right? So I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure they were trying to make friends. No, no, they're concentrating on on sticking it, right? But it it's going to be really interesting, you know. It's the pressure is certainly on for for the new leadership team at at Verizon. The pressure is is on with AT and T and how to respond to that, and the pressure is also on at T Mobile, right, to to keep up that momentum that they have. And they, they just took over the leadership position in phone net ads, what, like three quarters ago? And they just lost it to a regional provider. 
that must be grading. And I'm not sure I would agree with with T-Mobile that all the people who took the Spectrum One plan are low-quality customers. Yep. Well, time will tell. Time will tell. Right. All right, Roger. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. <laughs>